When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Burning Daylight, the only podcast for the working cowboy. Well, howdy there, Daylight Burners. Happy, uh, I'm not sure when I'll post this, but anyway, uh, I had a had a good guest scheduled and a timeline didn't work out, so we'll, uh, we'll try again, but Miles Fadinas will be back on the show. He's got some got some stories for africa and he's uh i don't know exactly what he's got in mind but he said he's uh he's looking for a couple cow hands that that might be interested in some work and i don't know what all that entails but we'll get into it uh whenever we can but i had a request to to uh post uh the episode about the u.s camel corps that i did back I had to look it up, and it was January 20th of 2021, so uh, almost three years ago. Holy shit. Um, So this is an episode that, uh, one of the rabbit holes that I went down and uh, found a cool little story about Jefferson Davis before he was uh, president of the Confederate States of America, when he was the Secretary of War for the United States of America, and... uh, a camel known as the Red Ghost, and a fella named uh, Haj Ali. Haj Ali. Um, but as Americans do, we Americanized the, the shit out of his name, and he became High Jolly. And uh, it's a really, really cool little story, and I hope you enjoy it. And for those of you that's already heard it, well, I hope you enjoy it again. Um, maybe you forgot about it. And uh, the the audio is a little rough. I, I lost the original audio recording, so I had to just rip the YouTube file. <clears throat> and as before, it had um, real fast internet. So the, the audio is not the greatest, but I'll clean it up as much as I can. And um, once again, I hope you guys enjoy it. Have a good one. And uh, let's get into... A little story about the U.S. Camel Corps. All right. Year is 1883. Early spring. Maybe it's late spring. Spring, 1883. In uh, southeastern Arizona. Arizona Territory at the time. 
a little place called Eagle Creek. Women uh, with a tenant to a house. Uh, the men were away checking on their sheep herds because Geronimo was uh, back in the territory. Sheep slaughtered uh, stuff. And they went out to survey the damage and see if there was anything. So the two women are bustling around. Spring gets water. And uh, the other lady, she stays around cooking lunch, doing whatever it is she's doing. In a pioneer back in three, whatever it is they're doing. Um, next thing you know, dogs start barking up the storm, and she hears a bunch of screaming. And uh, she rushes to the window if it's safe to go outside, and she uh, she sees what she could describe as something enormous, red, being ridden by the devil. Uh, just overcome with fear barricaded the doors and the windows just kind of hid under the table and prayed Oliver might two men uh, returned home that night uh, they had to had to really talk her into opening the door finally get her calmed down and uh Tells them what happens. Uh, this enormous red monster ridden by the devil. And uh counts the whole thing and uh they they get some torches and uh and a lantern and they they go checking out there by the spring and they find uh they find the other woman who is pregnant and she is stomped into the dirt where she's almost flat bruised all over. The tracks they find, cloven hoof animal, but about twice as big as a horse's hoof. And uh, the medical inspector, or the, the, I guess it would have been the coroner of the county there, wouldn't have believed it if he hadn't seen. Uh, he'd come out and saw the tracks himself, and the 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 hoof prints were there on the bruises of the body and it just seemed uh almost too uh too weird to be true. Well a couple days later, oh several miles up, uh on a place called Chase's Creek, area of Rio France uh Rio San Francisco, um they were they were sleeping in their tent middle of the night uh they hear they they called as just ungodly scream and a tent came crashing down on their heads and uh they uh they heard as they said an ungodly scream and the pounding of hooves and uh Looked out the then you know they finally got untangled from the tent and everything. They looked up just in time to see what they saw was a really, really tall horse uh crashing off into the brush. Well they head down uh to the local 
mining town called Ore. I'm not real sure where that's at. Or Arizona. They tell their story there at the bar, and uh, of course, you know it's uh, it's the old west, and uh, particular Arizona territory, pretty sparsely populated, and tall tales uh, abound. And well, they, these miners, they come. There's a you know, handful of miners back up, and they show them around where the their camp was, and sure enough, they uh, they see. Tent all smashed up, the tracks. Then one thing that they I forgot to mention with the lady that got stumped, uh, they found several tufts of really, you know, like three or four inch long red hair. Uh, well, word gets out pretty quick there in, uh, you know, in wilderness Arizona, apparently. Tall tales spread, and uh, <clears throat> you know, over the next month, around several different campfires, one guy says, uh, "Well, he chased it. it was uh, must have been a cowboy or something. Probably gonna rope him, and uh, and then it just vanished in the, in the thin air." Well, another one, he saw it kill, and uh, and just eat a grizzly whole, uh, a grizzly bear killed a grizzly and then ate him. And, uh, boy, people were pretty, pretty riled up, as you can imagine. You know, you got Geronimo on the loose. You don't even have to make up shit about that guy. He was, uh, <laughs> you know, he was plenty, plenty scary, and he was real, 100% real. Uh, but now, got this red monster that, uh, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's stomping pregnant women to death. And, uh, you know, vanishes into thin air. And, uh, you know, and then there's one, one story. Uh, a little while later, freight caravan uh, stopped off for the night. Got woken up. Well, in this case, what they said, uh, just have to excuse me for just a minute. I got to prepare you. Have a seat. Uh, a good one. They were woken up what they described as uh, screaming, shrieking, about 30 foot tall, black winged beast scattered the camp, mules, Knocked over two wagons and smashed a bunch of shit up. It hobbled their mules, so luckily the, the go too far. Um, but among the the stuff that got smashed up was a couple kegs of whiskey, um, which conveniently they were smashed up. So hard to say if they'd been broken into or not. But that might explain why they they were describing a thirty foot tall winged beast. But um. Turned out not to be the case. Uh, this ghost, which uh, got nicknamed the Red Ghost because of all the red hair that they can find in hills, um, about a month month later after the original attack, rancher up on Salt River, which is about 80 miles uh, northeast of Eagle Creek, uh, where the original site happened, 
rancher is named Cyrus Hamblin. He's out checking for slicks out on his property, uh, Maverick cattle. And uh, he spots what he all he can see is a huge red animal uh, kind of just moving through. Not really uh, crashing, just, just kind of cruising along, kind of like elk. And, um, but something wasn't right. And he, uh, he admitted that, you know, not a whole lot scared him of frontier Arizona rancher, uh, when Geronimo's out, uh, scalping whites and just, uh, wreaking havoc on the area. And, uh, but he said, uh, this sure enough made this hair on the back of his neck stand. And, uh, but he uh not one to be be shaken too much. He stayed there. <clears throat> Pretty soon this old red beast kind of moves out into the open where you get a better look at him. He's about a quarter mile away, he says. And um what he sees no doubt a camel. What a camel is doing up uh, on Salt River in in Arizona he doesn't know. He had heard tell that, uh, you know, on a different part of the state, uh, over there near the California border, that, you know, that they used those things quite a bit. But what, that, what it was doing all the way up there, he didn't know. But one thing that was also real weird about it is he happened to see something on this uh, this old camel's back and he couldn't be for sure, but he was thinking that it was possibly man. Couldn't confirm it. That's sure what it looked like. Osiris Hamblin had a pretty good reputation. He was a well-known, well-respected rancher in the area. People pretty well just took him at his word. Well... Before we finish this little story, we'll have to go back to the beginning of a little thing called the U.S. Camel Corps. Back in April 26, 1843, Army captain named uh, George C. Crossman wrote to the War Department recommending the use of camels for, trans- for transportation. Um, after he uh, he had read some writings from general named Edward F. Beale, who, uh, if you remember back to um, to my Kit Carson episode, battle of can't think of battle, but anyhow, um, if you remember that uh, when Kit Carson had to had to walk for days barefoot. Something like uh, to go get reinforcements. Got slaughtered by Vaqueros uh, in the Mexican War. So anyhow, this uh, General Beals, one of the fellows, is with Kit Carson. And if you remember, came riding out of the. They finally come riding out of the desert, and their horses were so. Uh, just so wore down 
that they they end up spooking this uh group of vaqueros uh chasing them off a little bit but then uh, those those old vaqueros look back and they saw that they they were on some really shitty horses and mules or just maybe not shitty they were out played out and uh and we're just about to uh to wipe all these guys out well, anyhow after that whole whole ordeal <clears throat> and, and that whole expedition, General Beale had a had a book with him that talked about uh, travels throughout the Orient and Arabia, uh, Arabia, Persia, and China. Of course, camels pretty extensively. Well, camels can. Uh, Work in the desert there in in the Middle East. Uh, why can't they work in the deserts of Arizona? So he was writing about all that. Became a pretty, uh, I wouldn't say a connoisseur, but he 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 became a champion uh, for the camel transport animal, pack animal for the U.S. Army. Captain George C. Crossman. He uh. He agreed with him, and he wrote officially wrote this War Department, but it pretty well got ignored. Um, but this Beale kept working on the case. Yeah, he could see how these camels could move uh, troops and supplies, uh, you know, quicker and more efficiently. So a camel is reading up on. It. I didn't didn't realize how little camels. And they spit, and, and I guess kind of known to be ill-tempered, um, which uh, that'll that'll play. Um, anyhow, but they they can some of them can go if they're on like lush green grass and uh, and a kind of a wet year, they can go like four months without actually physically drinking water from the. From the grass and stuff, but in the desert they can go up to eleven days without drinking water. And uh, I guess their body temperature varies uh, about eleven degrees throughout the. Day. They'll be they'll have a body temperature, uh, and all the way up to like four during the afternoon. Um, to they collect a bunch of heat in the day and then radiate it off at night. Fucking weird animal, I gotta tell you, but apparently uh, that's how God made them. That's uh, they're meant to carry shit across the desert. So anyhow, they they finally get the attention of a senator from Alabama named Jeff Davis. He might uh, might recognize the name, uh, but anyway, he. In 1852, he is uh, appointed Secretary of War, Frank, President Franklin Pierce, and uh, firmed in 1853. One of the first things that uh, he takes up, besides uh, you know Indian affairs, he uh, he takes up this uh, this cause for the camels, seeing how they huge benefit. Troops and supplies, uh, particularly supplies. 
Well, you know, when you're packing a horse, you can only pack a couple hundred pounds. Pack horse, mule a little. But you could, uh, you could safely pack about six pounds on the camels and teach them to kneel down so you load it up there and haul a whole bunch of stuff. And, of course, they didn't have to drink anything either. So they, they also said they can shrink about... 30% of their body weight. Hydration. They're fine. No problem. They don't even they don't even lose uh 30% shrink on those and they they just keep on trucking. Well, anyhow, Jeff Davis uh he finally gets uh gets to lobbying around for it and uh, 1855, Congress finally approves $30,000 to go purchase some camels. So the race is on. They can't find any in the U.S., so they they send uh, a Major Henry C. Wayne and a David D. Porter, I believe are both somehow related to General Beale fella, camel with. And uh, they head over to uh, Tunis, Syria. Uh, anyway, somewhere, somewhere there in. Uh, and they uh, all told they they acquire about thirty four head of good camels. Apparently, there's a couple different species. That's the. Cows. I don't know if you call a camel camel a bull or anyhow. And then they hired uh six teamsters, cameleers. I don't know what the term is, but the guys that are driving the camels. Um camel bull. There was uh like four Arabs and that and uh including a guy who uh born name was uh Philip Tedro I day he back to Philip Tedrow, but uh, he's more more well known <clears throat> uh by a fella named High Jolly. His Arab name was Haj Haji Ali but uh, being the dumb time to figure out how to. So they called him High Jolly. Anyway, he was one of the, the six original Teamsters that, that got hired. And uh, they they began the trip back across the, the pond, and they landed in Indianola, Texas, May 14th, six. Along the way, one of the male camels, one of the prize studs, had died, but there was also two calves born along the way, so they they came out one ahead. Landed them there, fattened them up a little bit, and uh, immediately (laughs) they figured out that uh, we Americans are not camels. But we floated those fuckers across uh, the sea on a boat. 
took him about six months that or however long long time long damn time and by the time those camels got uh set foot on solid ground they went nuts they went bucking around and then the horses and mules they said fuck all of that i don't like that thing what it is it scared the fuck out of me and in the meantime you've got 35 head of camels frolicking around uh just just giving her hell uh the townspeople are i i would love to have been just a, a fly on you know on a street post as they're you know like uh on the dock as you're watching because you had to know that they're there was word coming about a bunch of camels getting dropped off at the port of Indianola. So there had to have been pretty big spectacle coming from miles around. A bunch of them probably didn't even know what the fuck a camel was. Uh, what it looked like, let alone what it looked like. But here they come, <clears throat> and immediately these things, I'm just picturing them uh, acting about like a whole team does when you move them in fresh pin. And, uh, you know, just bellering, except I don't know exactly what camel makes, but frolicking and bucking around. Boy, I had to scare the fuck out of some people. And, uh, by all accounts, the horses, even, uh, good broke horses, uh, now they say, fuck you. Takes quite a while to get them used to that. Anyhow, they, uh, they let them fatten up there. And they they get everybody kind of settled in, and then they decide, well, better make a trip on these fuckers. And uh, old Hyde Jolly and his merry band of uh, Arabian camel teamsters, they set off with uh, they set off with the U.S. Army. They, uh, all right, okay, there we go. The the initial uh, camel caravan was 1857, and they they made their way from Mexico to. Eastern California, roughly along the same path that the Route 60, historic Route 66, would follow uh, later on. Um, but that was basically it for the U.S. Camel Corps. If you have haven't noticed the time frame, all this was happening. 1857 was first first camel expedition. And then they made several of them back and forth. Tried them as a carry mail and shit. <clears throat> they used them as pack animals, and they, they uh, but they were really kind of brutal on these. They, uh, some of these generals were kind of like the old Nazi, uh, like witch doctors in the creation camp, forming all weird circles. Unlike the, the, Formed, you know, anybody with a sort of abnormal born or kids. Uh, 
challenge, however you call it. But that's kind of how they were with these camels. They're just like, how long can we actually make them? And uh, what happens when you push them too far without water? Apparently some of them would fight like hell, and some of them would just keep on walking until they collapsed and died. But they uh, they were able to find out that about four days in wretched heat, heavy load, was about as far as they could push a camel without without really needing some water. They could push them a little bit uh, farther than that, but not consistently. Uh, but by all means, they they outperformed the the horses and the mules. By well, not not even close. It was it was very successful on that front. But however, uh, eighteen fifty seven that was four years before eighteen sixty one, which uh, familiar with American history, pretty significant year because that was, the Civil War broke out and the last thing on anybody in the military's mind was a bunch of fucking camels out in Texas. So. Uh, basically the, the camel program was scrapped. Uh, the guy that was, you know, that, that was kind of instrumental in getting, getting the whole thing going, Mr. Jeff Davis, um, he, uh, he's now the president of the Confederate States of America, so he's obviously not real concerned about the damn camels, so... Anyhow, it's all a state of disarray, and and in those couple years, they had managed to buy. I I never did find out how many. I never find a concrete camels they purchased, but I know that they they got a a bill introduced to purchase a thousand head of camels, but it was never signed into law, and uh, I don't know. Much as I can tell, they they must have had a couple hundred. Whether how many they bought, I don't know. Second second voyage they made back with forty one head. Um, they tried to implement a breeding program, but that got shot down pretty quick because they're like, "Hey, how how far can we fuckers walk without water? Uh, I don't care about breeding. How far we kill these." Um, anyhow, so they, basically, once the Civil War breaks out, they decide, that's, that's enough, and, uh, there was basically two bases, I think, two forts that, that use these camels, uh, one was in Texas, one was, in, no, one was up in, uh, and I think, Colorado, uh, I guess luckily for the U.S., there wasn't uh, weren't really any any camels in Texas, so they didn't have to worry about you know the Confederates having a camel cavalry charge. Boy, that would be something. you're uh, you're behind this little uh, dirt berm waiting on waiting on the Confederates, Mormon. I might pay to see them, actually. Um, anyhow, there was uh, there was one fort, uh, like 
called Camp Verde. Verde, which I believe is in Mexico. It was a Union Union Army outpost, but it, it gets uh, captured by the Confederates. And uh, at the time, uh, depending on who you talk to, the Union officers say there was uh, over 100 head of camp there. But the Confederate States of America gave a receipt after the war for the, the taking or when it was captured. I don't um anyhow one of the receipts that they gave them was for 80 camels with a couple of horses um regardless this this particular bunch uh they were they were managed they managed to round up about head of them um and the rest of them were just out wandering out in the vast expanse of Texas or New Mexico. And, uh, and then there was another 60 head sold at auction. And that was that was basically the end of the U.S. Camel Corps. Very short-lived. And uh, like pretty much every other government program implemented, uh, highly efficient um, and a giant waste of money. Uh, could have been a pretty uh, pretty ingenious uh, strategy going forward if it would have been implemented. But the government, uh, there's very little for forethought to it. So the uh, U.S. Camel Corps came and went. Well, this fella named Hyde Jolly, he, uh, well... I guess to take it back, he he was hired by by the two uh, two army officers Wayne and Porter somewhere somewhere there in the Middle East. This this guy was uh, he was living in Turkey at the time, port uh, uh, on the sea on a port city. His mother was Greek, father was Syrian, and he was. Uh, I don't know if he was raised uh, Muslim or if he converted uh, to Islam or what. But anyway, by the time he was 25, he'd made a made a full conversion or whatever. He made his uh, pilgrimage to Mecca, and he changed his name to, from Pedro Haji Ali Jolly, and uh, he got hired on some. Some accounts say he was a really best of the best when it came to camel herding. Uh, other accounts say that people that they hired to, to tend to these camels, even less than the people that were sent to buy these camels. Who knows? I'm sure it's a little somewhere in between. Anyhow, he uh, he makes a, the initial camel caravan across that. And um, after that, he just sticks on with the army. And um, he goes goes with them on, on scouting missions. Whatever. And really with the... Uh, he... Uh, <laughs> kind of a fun story. 
uh, the Confederates, by the way. I and I guess I don't know for sure. Didn't didn't mention specifically, but among the rest turned up <clears throat> camp camp very turned back horses, twelve mules, two horses, eighty camels. Two Egyptians, because <laughs> you know the Confederates. Uh, They're gonna have a bunch of black dudes. Egyptian. Luck of the draw, high jolly was an Egyptian. He was uh, Turkish, Greek, Syrian. He stayed with the Union Army throughout. Any sort of combat during the Civil War, but he uh, was around for basically the whole time where they were fighting the Apaches. He stayed on as a scout and, uh, you know, and a teamster. Camels. I really don't know what all those camel ears. Camel steam. Camel team. He was. Uh, Really, until Geronimo uh, rendered. So after that, he kind of took up prospecting. About fifty years old, but he married a little Mexican lady and uh, lived in town for a while. But eventually, he just uh, he missed the desert, so back out prospecting. Left his wife and daughters. Left them. Just went out prospecting gone for 13 years and he finally came back went back to his wife and begged her let him come in and fuck you don't like you anymore so he went back prospect and uh you know he was uh seemed like he was quite the character he uh Somehow managed as uh, him and uh, him on this other one of the other original teamsters, Greek film. And after after they left the army, they were up in Colorado mining, and something happened with uh, with the mine boss getting killed. A caved in. Well, they uh, those two were kind of on their own, and a Greek fellow went to California, got married, and I jolly just desert. He uh, apparently hated Germans growing up uh, there in Turkey, fought Germans, French, and Austrians, hated them with fiery passion. And I guess one of the times when he was uh, hauling ore or something for for the mines, there was a bunch of German settlers picnicking uh, without having a having some pencilers, and they must have been wearing their leader hosen. He recognized them as piston right the fuck, stampeded the wagon right through the middle of their pickup. Or their their picnic. I don't know if anybody 
heard or what? There was a bunch of sauerkraut and beer and pastries rotten in the sun for a couple weeks after that. But anyhow, he ended up dying. Basically broke penniless. Uh, was very well respected among the army officers. And they even tried to get him to the but being the bureaucracy, the very particular general, uh, you know, given all of that, they're uh, not all that surprising that he never got his pension. But you know, there was uh, after all those those camels got sold, and you know. There was a bunch of them that just ended up roaming all throughout the the, the Southwest, Nevada, Texas, Arizona, sighting all over the all the way up until like 1934. But whether this story is even remotely true or not, uh, in 1902 was uh was living in Quartzsite, Arizona. At one dusty night in the moon, an old prospector ran through. Swinging doors screaming, Camels! Camels are coming! Still shaking, the man takes wigs from, from an unattended bottle at the bar. The bartender grabbed it back from his callous hands, none too pleased. He was then invited for a drink and to tell his Held by another local by another local patron, launched in what seemed what he seemed to think was a near death experience. Another quiet prospect interrupted him. Hard, reckon about where you see that that camel. With fervor, the frightened prospector gave the best directions he could as he relaunched the story for all who would listen. Another prospect quietly slipped out the door. That quiet elderly prospector was in fact high jolly himself. A few days later, he was found in the desert, covered in sand. Quote said, this is a quote from uh, A Monument to a Camelier, Arizona Republic. Uh, there was a frozen smile on his face. Arms were locked about the Great shaggy camel. At two would tread the burning stands stands no. Some insist the camel was smiling also, although it must have been toothy. So legend has it that High Jolly had caught himself a stray camel in uh, his last last act on this earth. Camels too was dying stray. Anyhow. Apparently they were happy. Going back where we uh, where we started here. So Cyrus Hamblin, he spotted this big old camel. Pretty sure there's a man on its And about a couple weeks later, and you know how, like I said, all these stories, they... Uh, they spread real quick. Well, about five different prospectors 
uh, they were out prospecting, doing their thing, and they spotted him. They they go charging up to him, and they they get to where they think shooting did. They just start sending lead downrange, just boom, 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 boom. But apparently they they can't shoot worth shit or uh, or whatever. Uh, this old camel, he uh, he just goes uh tromping, tromping off into the distance at a at a rifle range. Not mattered apparently. But as he's running off, they notice something falls off his back. Well, they run up there, and sure enough, it's a human skull. What in the hell is human skull doing? Well, then, that starts a whole new round of tall tales and old wives' tales about, well, now there's a band of, uh, oh, there's a band of uh, bandits, I guess. Banditos just running around, and they catch you. They'll strap you to a to a camel and just leave you dead. There's also stories that well maybe this uh, maybe it was just some traveler that headed out to California, track it rich gold mine. Well, going through the desert, ran out of water, and he was getting weak, so he just tied himself to that camel, hoping and that thing would find some water eventually, and there he died. Well, either way, they're pretty sure that um, however he died, or however he got up there, whether uh, the guy was dead when he got up there and tied him to it, or maybe he was alive, I don't know. Or maybe he tied himself. However the case may be, they were pretty sure that... Uh, that old body got to stinking, and it was driving that camel crazy, and that's why he was attacking all this shit. Got to be known as the Red Ghost. And, uh, boy, it was, uh, just a big old, uh, big old hubbub around the Arizona Territory. And, uh, a couple, uh, a couple days after these, uh, these prospectors start shooting, uh, Oh, that's when the freight caravan finds him. Huge black winged beast. Well, shortly after that, this uh, the last violent encounter they had with the old red ghost, but cowboy uh from the anchor J O T um just East Phoenix, he was uh he was cruising through some country, and he came across this Brandon trap that they weren't good. They only used it Brandon once a year. Brandon sees quite a ways off, but there was something down in there. Yeah, uh, he goes over to check. Sure enough, it's that uh that damned old camel. And uh, well, he uh he goes ahead and ropes him a camel because he's a cowboy. That's what we do. God damn it. And well, apparently this uh, this crazy old camel not having much of it, and he came right back up that rope. Horse rears up, and uh, old camel keeps barreling through, kind of side checks him. Horse comes crashing down. This is this is east of Phoenix, Arizona, so that's kind of in the puncher country. So I don't know if he was tied off or if he was roping with a long rope, but either way, old camel got away. Never did hear what happened with 
with the cowboy. Whether uh, whether the horse got drug off or oh, you know, he lost his rope or what the hell. Obviously, he probably lost his rope. But it was uh, well, it was a long time coming for this old old camel, but it was finally finally came to uh, he made met his match February fifth eight. Uh, newspaper called the Mojave County Miner reported it. Headline: Phantom that terrified all Arizona for a time. And the article: Another ghost is laid. Another of the tribe of gaunt hobgoblins that kept the that keep the romance of the mysterious southern deserts is gone. Another of the unearthly dangers of the timid Mexican prey again. Do Hastings of Ore, priest that exercised this. Do has a ranch a little uh, above the gold camp on the San Francisco River. Woke up one saw through the cabin. Big red, a big red camel banqueting in his turnip pan. Do took a dead rest on the windowsill. Blazed away. Got the camel. He went out to examine the beast. He found that it was all scarred up and had evidently had a very hard time. Covered with a perfect network of knotted rawhide strips. They had been on him so long that some of the strands had cut their way into the Well, Red Ghost is... And even though there was... uh. It was basically the end of the U.S. Camel Corps as we knew. There were still sightings all all around the Southwest. And uh, there's there's speculation that there's still uh, still some wild camels. uh, Still remnants of the (laughs) the ill-fated U.S. Camel Corps. All in all, got to say it was, uh, if had it not been for the Civil War, there there might have been uh, a more storied history Camel Corps. Although it's probably not likely. Um, whatever reason, cattlemen were not much uh, in the way of, well, I guess the people I know are not much in the way of goat herders. Camel herders, quite a few sheep herders, but for the most part, deal with cattle and horses, camels, and the mule skinners for the for the army, uh, not get along whatsoever with them camels. Uh, the men hated them, and then camels apparently they were more ill-tempered than mule, especially. Around that spit at you, and uh, just be a general all-around grade A asshole, apparently. And that was that was kind of the observation of General Beale, who followed it. He grew to where he loved these camels. Hello, apparently, um, but he said the 
And I think he, he said it pretty accurately. Camel is not used to a greater extent in the U.S. military. It Americans themselves, not animals. Uh, but it, boy, it made for some good tall tales for, for many years to come. Unlike most government programs, they don't have stories. So, bravo to you, the brave men and women of U.S. Camel Corps. The Red Ghost. Uh, hi, jolly fella. I'm going to... Stories on him. Pretty interesting. But uh, anyhow, hope you enjoyed that episode. Um, I think it was kind of make sure uh, make sure you go um, go submit videos for the fancy loop contest if you got any. Uh, in those till March first. I also have a chance at winning. Honda's from Nick Loot. Uh, we got next Friday, the 29th, Elko, Nevada, at the stage door, 7 o'clock uh, Pacific time. We, uh, taking the stage with Hugh, Jake Houston, and uh, Matt and Rachel Wilson, Kinley. Good time. Uh, tell jokes, tell poems, sing some songs, and. Uh, just uh just have a good old time. So make sure you check that out. Uh Bull Session live on Patreon this Thursday, every Thursday. All the video content out, out podcast wise Patreon. So if you're not uh subscribed, make sure that dollar a month bull session every Thursday. So anyhow, uh thanks again for tuning in. I thank you all for your support. Thank all those that have uh already and uh, thank you all for supporting this I uh, hope you have a good week uh, happy inauguration day or something move your ass we're burning daylight you rise up in the morning Beneath the stars so bright Pull your hat down Make sure your cinch is tight Horse is kinda snuffy Cold chill up your spine We'll get your ass Moving sun will burn Tell the job.